iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hello and welcome back to The Ruck. I'm Owen Slot, and after last week's Slash Your Wrist Death of Rugby episode, we're going for a slight change of mood this week. We will be celebrating the joys of the European weekend, the likes of La Rochelle, the Leicester Type 5, Chris Ashton's kicking technique and the great weekend of English clubs in Europe when they played six so far and lost six. Um, to spread the joy, I am joined today by our eternal ray of sunshine, Stephen Jones, and one of the finest Scotland under-20 props never to go beyond under-20 level, the great Alan Dimmock. Uh, great to see you, boys. He's gone beyond under-20 in age, by the way, but maybe not level. But I still look youthful and exuberant, obviously. Who told you that? Anyway, let's keep going. That was a <laughs> pregnant pause. Um, but no no comeback news on that front, Al. No. No, no. no. Uh, great weekend, a good weekend. I was at Exeter. I thought was a, I saw a, a stunningly in, intense game, if not um, a, a brilliant execution from the Exeter team. Uh, Steve, you were at? Toulon, and, uh, w- w- which I absolutely loved. It was everything that Europe, the European Cup should be. And actually, I think it was needed because... Uh, the European Cup has got to move on now. There is a danger, in my opinion, that it's not seen to be a step up to English and f- the French leagues. And in, in many ways, sometimes it's not. And I just think we needed those occasions. It was it, it, Toulon is a ba- bizarre place, you know. It is not. It's a very, very odd place. But we had to absorb the loss of Johnny Halliday, of course. Um, which uh, the, the reaction to Johnny Halliday sadly passing away was staggering. In Toulon? Oh, God, it was unbelievable. They had his songs before the game, after the game, half-time, everywhere you went. And and the, and the, the restaurants were saying that, because it was Johnny's um, uh, funeral, that's why there were no people there. It was just extraordinary. I mean, I'd put him up there with Elvis and Bruce Springsteen. Not many people would agree with that. But um, it was staggering, the intensity of the grief for the great man. Hmm. Yeah, up there with uh, with their other f- um, favourite Johnny, who's got a statue outside the uh, the stadium. Yeah, well, that's right. He's even bigger than Johnny. But um, the long list of um, French rock stars, uh, which I can't think of offhand, um, <laughs> is now is now denuded by one more. Al, you're um, a Johnny Halliday fan. Have you have you re- recovered? And 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 you were, you were sort of covering base for the weekend of uh, European rugby, weren't you? Yeah, I was sort of in the in the nerve centre trying to keep track of all of it. Obviously, it was reeling after that Halliday news, but uh, game must go on. Well and, done, well done. And mm. I'll tell you man. what, it was, uh, just for French rugby as well. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk in greater detail about Toulon nicking it uh, with that late try at the death there, but. For all the 
the doom and gloom about the results for the for the English sides. I mean, some of the French performances, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk a great depth about La Rochelle and the way they're playing. I mean, what a force they mm. are. It's rare to see a team, for example, if you look at the example of Exeter, where you were, they have worked so hard over a number of seasons to get there, whereas La Rochelle seem to just have done it in the blink of an eye. And they just seem to have found this, this magic formula, whether they run out of steam, because obviously they've never been there to the knockouts before. They're kind of breaking the rules, aren't they? I mean, we sort of have this accepted wisdom that you have to work your way through it and after a few years of learning and, and, faili- and failure and yeah. uh, I mean, Saracens sort of literally went quarter-final loss, semi-final loss, final loss, done it. Yeah, uh, but don't forget La Rochelle lost in the semi-finals of the, even though they top of the table last year, they lost in the semi-finals of the, of the top 14. Mm-hmm. So they, they could well be going through that process. They have come up quickly. They got this amazing sponsorship thing where instead of having one massive um, uh, guy with more money than sense, they got 100, I think it's 120 yeah. sponsors. And it, it just works beautifully. They must have a great commercial department. But uh, to be honest with you, who cares where they came from or why? They're there and blimey, wasn't it fantastic? Do, do, fantastic. So, Al, you said it was a good weekend for for the French. I mean, if you're looking at it from from an international point of view, uh, it was a, a great weekend for uh, for the Irish. They they're three teams in the Champions Cup one, yeah. Connaught in the Challenge Cup one, and as mentioned, it was a miserable weekend for the English. What do we think, gents, about the English performance over the weekend? The English clubs. I feel that they're. To, to flag that up too big in the headlines and 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 make judgment and assessment and conclusions uh, is massively jumping the gun. It was the worst weekend. The, the worst England have, English clubs have never lost six in one round in um in Europe. But admittedly, they got seven. And and as we're speaking, we're awaiting uh, Saracens playing Claremont uh, this evening, which you'd probably um, marginally um, have them to 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 shade that one. But still, a very bad weekend. To be fair, though, I think it it looks worse than it is if you take. Two results in particular. Quinns have done absolutely nothing in the Champions Cup this season and are rightly out of the running now. You imagine that they'll play their next game. They're not going to offer much. I can't imagine there's going to be a huge resistance from them. They've got a point mm. from from the whole debacle. And then you look at Northampton Saints, who have had such an unattractive season, if, if you can call it that. They're up one minute and then That's they're down the That's about the nicest thing anyone minutes. said about Northampton for weeks, isn't Absolute, it? Unattractive. Absolutely, because... It's it's hideous the way that they've they've gone about things, and you hear horror stories about fans being driven away from watching them play. So if you look at their results and their horrible performance, and Quinns the way that they performed in Europe, you take those out, then yes, it was a it was a pretty bad weekend for the English. But it's you know that's half of the games in the round gone, and there's so many teams that are still alive. Exeter is still alive. Yeah, Steve. What do you, well, what's your, your view on that? Take Northampton and Quinns away, and the rest of them are still pretty competitive. Oh, because they are. You know, I mean, I'm sure that Leinster's coaches all week will be saying, "Beware of Exeter backlash." I don't think Exeter have ever been as tuned into Europe as they have been to, for, to the Premiership, but. Exeter can definitely win in, in Dublin, no question about it. Wasps, uh, amongst all that heavy defeat, did get a bonus point. So, it, I mean, all they've got to do to bypass La Rochelle, I say all, is they've got to beat them and restrict them to not getting a bonus point. So, you know, I mean, they're still in it. Saracens, clearly, um, we, we may know the result when the, the, our listeners are listening to this. Bath, I think, can definitely beat Toulon. Um, just a very quick word about Bath. I, it was the best I've seen them play for three or four years. Um, they they were so devilish and they were so aggressive. They were so hard, as were Toulon. Incidentally, this thing that 
these guys are rich, rich swines who who don't play for the jersey. They played massively for the jersey. I just to single out one part of the Bath team: front row Dan Obamo and Lahif. My goodness, they were they were startlingly good. Their their energy in the loose and on the defensive line was something, and they also held up really well in the scrum. So to me, Bath, uh, if they can re- replicate that are going forward, and I think Bath can, can beat Toulon and put uh, the Premiership teams back on the board. Uh, the interesting thing about that Bath-Toulon game, and it's it's certainly will be the talking point that everyone will be looking at, It's if it's not gone viral yet as a clip, it will do eventually, is uh, that Chris Ashton kick into the waiting mitts of Jonathan Joseph to get his try. And, I mean, Steve's mentioned it there, that game looked like it was just good fun. That's what people want to see from Europe, because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a relief from the the slog and awe of your your daily your weekly club competition to have this moments like that it's fantastic to see someone like Chris Ashton now I don't believe I still don't believe he's a fullback I know Toulon have been playing him there and it means that they've got an embarrassment of riches because they can play Tuasova on one wing and Radrada on the other wing uh, two explosive Fijian players who can pull something out of nothing or at least knock someone on their backside. So that's fantastic, but you the, the other thing you've got to show is that Chris Ashton has to play. He's already, having been there for such a short period of time, is already a must-pick for Toulon. And, OK, there was that howler where he kicked the ball straight into Jonathan Joseph Um, um But, as Steve said uh, before we came on here, he had a good game apart from that, and he's, he's already vital for them. The other thing from that game, and it's certainly a thing that I've heard a lot of grumbling about, is the injury to um, Faletau. Mm. And Bastero coming in from the side of the ruck, I mean that's that's a big thing to be blindsiding you with, Bastero, um, to to knock him. And people are pretty furious about the fact that Falatau should be exposed to that kind of, I suppose what you could call it as an attack at the ruck, and he's damaged his knee ligaments again. And suddenly one of the best players in Europe is staring out, staring down the barrel of a few weeks off because of something that you can't control. I, th- I think it may be more than that. I mean, it was almost the first thing that the Bath coaches said in the press conference. They drew attention to it. And uh, it'd be interesting to see whether whether the, the guy's been cited. Um, it, was, it was nasty. Incidentally, just going back to Ashton, I totally agree with, with uh, Big Al about uh, the, the way the game was played. And also Ashton, some, some people, some wings make natural fullbacks. But Ashton is a real, uh, an offensive runner. And fair play to the bloke. He was coming in as first receiver at Rucks. He was coming in at Scrum Half at Rucks. And that, that guy, if we'd only left him alone and stopped badgering him for things that were, were extraneous to rugby, he could have been a magnificent England player. I think he's one of the best wings uh, England have available, if not the best. And uh, that guy is danger. And I've, I felt very sorry for him for that awful kick. But as Al says... He may be many things, a fullback isn't one of them. He absolutely screwed another one um, about 10, 10 minutes from the end, well, less than that actually. Just when. Um... That's just a, you know, too long, <coughs> they, they always get something horribly wrong. I heard a great story about their, for instance, this might sum up too long that um, I was talking to them about their, their terrible training headquarters. And they've actually got a magnificent, brand new training headquarters uh, apparently it's absolutely state-of-the-art it's wonderful somewhere outside Toulon they never use it because the first time they ever used it they lost and they're too superstitious <laughs> to go back to it so that's so that's that's that sums them up Ashton fullback is another thing also why would you sa- uh, sign with greatest respect Trine Duke who was absolutely abysmal 
so they've got half a Greek team. But but, but Toulon doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, it, it's a it's they're, a circus. They're a bit like and, a bumblebee, aren't they? They shouldn't, by the laws of physics, be able to fly, but sometimes somehow they just manage to do it. And you're and right. I think circus is the right word to use there. Sorry to cut you off, but. If you look at that entire backline, it's not exactly littered with kicking options anyway. Mention Tuisova and Radrada. Ashen's proven that he, that he can't kick a ball. And then you've got Bastaro, who I'm imagining could knock the stuffing out of it, but I don't imagine how accurate it'd be. But that's not what the team's been put together for, is it? And I think that's what you're away to allude to, Owen, is the cir- circus nature of it all. Well, I, I, the, the way it's put together seems bizarre to me. The, the, the way they select players and personalities that don't stick together and glue together, which if you if you look at the, the amount that's been spent and the amount of caps that they've had for the last decade playing for their club, I mean, it, it's... It's, there's only been like a three, four year period when actually the whole thing gelled and, and the right personalities managed to find a way to work and they and they took hold of it, which was the you know the the, the Johnny Juan Smith um, uh, uh, Matt Gitto era when when the whole thing glued and it and it really worked. But I think if you if you just chuck this sort of smorgasbord of, of international superstars at it and, and expect it's going to work. I mean, it, it just doesn't. And but it's only going to work for three years because if you're not de- if you're not got a development process underneath it, well, then you are going to reach reach a peak. Then there's going to be a gap again, which they're currently in. You know, I mean, Bastero and Nonu, imagine being a wing playing outside those two. You never get the ball. I mean, Nonu is not remotely the player he was in the World Cup. Bastro was given the Man of the Match award on Saturday. I would really like to know who voted for him because that was a total circus. Just on the subject of, of Ashton, though, um, well, question to you in a minute, um, Al, on that, but um, his TV interview afterwards was magnificent and, and that's another reason why he's so appealing to fans. So he, he, made, he made the howler, which looked like it was going to cost him the match, and then he comes on the interview afterwards and he's laughing at, at, at how bad he was. He's just laughing at his misfortune and laughing at the fact that he, that he got out of jail free because they won the game. And and it, it, it just has a sort of magnetism that puts a lot of people off him, but when he's like that, it is, it's fabulous. Yeah, well, look, he's an individual. It's like Cipriani. I mean, a lot of people get put off these guys because they're characters, and that, that is one of the thunderous weaknesses of modern-day rugby. Um, Al, uh, Steve said that he would have Ashton as is your first choice England wing, or first first choice England wing. I think he's got to be in the squad. Certainly, I mean, you might not want to play him every week, depending on who you, who you're playing against. But why? I, I mean, I can't fathom why he hasn't been selected as much as he should. It's just one of those things that seems inconceivable to me because. You can you hear so much bleating about where he fits in defensive systems and and how bad he is at retreating um, in defence, um, what he options on that side of the ball. But when you've got someone as lethal as that, I can't think of another nation that would disregard a player that finishes like he does. Mm. It just seems bizarre to me because if you look at other other nations and you look at the players that they're willing to carry, for example, before we saw. Um, Rico Ioanni come onto the scene Julian Savea was allowed to play himself out of bad form Scotland at the moment for example have been playing players like Tommy Seymour who's not in fantastic form for Scotland recently but yet he's capable of and you saw it uh, against um, New Zealand I believe it was capable of just turning it on and creating a very good try Chris Ashton can create things when he's going forward Mm, if you allow him to play through that's why I wouldn't have him as an automatic starter but it seems inconceivable to me that he's not in the mix 
Just uh, one other thought on what we've been talking about, the, the Faletau, um injury. Uh, it's, it's unrelated to the, to, uh, the fact that um, Bastaro comes in uh, uh, to the ruck the way he did. But I, I look at uh, Faletau and the amount of rugby he's played since the Lions. He's, he's had more starts than any other Lion. He, he's barely been given a week off. I was looking at this this morning. Um, he's, had, he's had 11 starts this season. He started on the 2nd of September when the Irish players didn't start until October. I mean, that's got nothing to do with Bastero coming in and, and um, taking him out illegally like that. But it, it waiting to happen, in my view. Of course, of course it was, and uh, but I mean he's the one who got hit this week. But I'm afraid I don't want to go back to uh, what did you describe it last week as uh, the sporting suicide or whatever we were talking about. But there are too many big matches. There are far too many international matches. Toby's Falato has come off the back of playing South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, and then straight back out to play uh, for your for your club, and uh, it is ridiculous. And uh, if Bastro didn't get him. Someone else was—he was going to fall over of his own accord. And it, these big proud men, we shouldn't keep asking them what we ask of them. And I was really disappointed. Really, I'm sorry. This is not off the point. It's on the point. To hear Steve Brown of the RFU saying, uh, giving us a big thing about why they need four tests next autumn, not really paying any recognizance to the to, the, to player welfare whatsoever. I'm really bitterly disappointed with Steve, who I think is a good man. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We are delighted at this stage to welcome back one of them, uh, heroes of the podcast from the Alliance Tour, Fed, say, Steve? No. No. Okay, sorry. Hyperbole is the one of the greatest sins in this business. One of the, one of the emerging forces, I'd say. Yeah, okay. All right. We have a, an emerging force here called Peter O'Reilly, who uh, podded a lot with us uh, while we were in New Zealand. Uh, Peter, great to have you back. How are you? Uh, very well, thanks, Owen, and, and thanks to Steve for picking me up there. <laughs> Uh, so we're, we're, we're talking to Peter here, um, who is in our Dublin studio, uh, who is um, going to explain to us. He, so, Pete, you were at the Munster game on Saturday, correct? I was. I and, was, yeah. And um, that was one of 
three Ireland wins in uh, Irish cl- uh, sides wins in Europe in the Champions Cup. That is, uh, Connaught also won in the Challenge Cup. Uh, it was um, uh, three seasons ago, two seasons ago that there wasn't a single Irish um, team in the semi-finals, and and now. Um, uh, the the whole picture seems to have changed. Peter, is there a reason for this, or or is that just the cycle of, of sport and the way it goes? Is there a reason? Certainly, we thought it was um, Armageddon about uh, 2015, 2016. That was the the season when it was all an Anglo-French affair in the quarterfinals, and none of the the provinces actually made it through. I think there was a bit of a World Cup hangover uh, at play there. Uh, there were also maybe coaching teams who were jumping into their stride or were slow to get into their stride. And the balance was redressed slightly last season uh, when we had Mun- Munster and Leinster in the semi-finals. To be honest, we t- we tend to look at those two. Though those are the the two who have the real pedigree in this in this tournament, and those are the the clubs, I suppose, which see the Champions Cup. Um, as being the be-all and end-all of their season. I know uh, Munster would have been pretty happy to get to a, a semi-final last year. Uh, Leinster probably saw it as an opportunity blown. They uh, they could have won uh, away against Clermont in the semi-final. Uh, well, they, they reckon that they blew their opportunity really at the end of the pool stages when they drew in Castro and therefore uh, denied themselves an opportunity of a home semi because um, while I think Saris were, Saracens were probably the best team in Europe last year, Leinster, Leinster fancied their chances uh, against them. Yeah, Pete, Leinster, Leinster were, out, were um, very, very efficient against XT yesterday. I mean, were you surprised by that at all, or, or, is, or is that just the form that they're in week, week in, week out? Um, not necessarily week in, week out, but certainly they would see it as a, as a, as a test match for them, whereas Exeter, you... Suspect it's it's the next match on on the in their schedule. Whereas, if you look at the guys um, who were playing at Sandy Park yesterday for Leinster, the likes of uh, Furlong, Healy, Henshaw, Carney, O'Brien, Sexton, Toner, the, the, they hadn't played for Leinster since October. They'd been on Ireland duty and they were given the week off the week before they went to Exeter. So it was all about preparation for that being. In, Absolute, you know. Uh, yeah, well, that tells a tale, isn't it? That tells a tale of the different approaches internationally. Do you see Munster con- continuing uh, on their their um, rich vein of form, Pete? Because uh, the the Munster situation is is one of uncertainty, and and um, uh, there there are some key players whose futures we don't know if they're going to going to stay there. There's a, there's new coaching. It, it doesn't seem to me to be like a settled unit that, uh, that that's ready to take on Europe. But there again, they they didn't have much trouble with with uh, Leicester on Saturday. Uh, yeah, there's been uh, I suppose that all the, all the talk about contracts might have actually worked in their favour. To be honest, though, and I think uh, once they saw that that they had Leicester in their pool again, both sides. I mean, t- from talking to Jordan Murphy as well, they they knew immediately it was going to that they were going to be in the back to backs at, at Christmas time because obviously the television companies wanted that way. They see it as a pretty sexy fixture with loads of history, loads of European mm-hmm. history. So. Um, I think really no matter how they had been going in the in the Pro 14 coming into that, it was a separate issue. And Munster against Leicester at five o'clock on a Saturday evening in Thomond Park, it's um, it's sort of be all and end all uh, for for Munster. Um, and I think you know you could argue um, that they wanted it just a little bit more. I think uh, even though Leicester 
came there on the back of like they remembered last year's defeat in Thomond, which is pretty pretty embarrassing. I think they came out to make a statement, but they still were, were blown away by the physicality and the intent of Munster, especially in the first half when it was 23-3 by half time, and there was wasn't really much coming back from that. Would you would you say there's two teams there that are capable of winning winning the whole competition or one? Uh, I would say, I would think Leinster have a real chance. I think Munster have a chance of getting to the knockouts again, but I don't really think they've got the the quality to go all the way. But you know, it is a special tournament for them, so they they're going to be difficult to beat. I don't, I don't see them winning the whole thing, though. Whereas I do see Leinster as real contenders now. And to, just on that contract front. Pete, so we're talking here about Peter Romani and CJ Standard. That they're, they're the key names at, at Munster who um, are out of contract at the end of the season. W- w- if you're reading the tea leaves, do you think um, that both will stay, or how, how do you think that 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 will uh, yeah, that will shake down? I think, I think absolutely, both both will stay, and uh, um, I think I think O'Mahony, for example, would be mad to go to France or England, where you know both leagues there are. Uh, incredible tests of your physical durability and the way he plays I don't think if he was in certainly if he was in France and he was being flogged week in week out he wouldn't make it past 30 as a professional player whereas in Ireland he'd be managed because he's important to the national team but he's not so important to Joe Schmidt that if he were to leave that he could be assured like Johnny Sexton of being picked for the international team uh, he, you know there are plenty of back rows around so I, I, I would see um Obviously, he would like to be paid what he's worth, but he's not going to be paid the same amount that he will uh, get paid in France now or, or or even England. But I think they'll come to some sort of an arrangement. Um, he's too important to Munster, um, but he's not he's not he's not so important to to Ireland that, that mm. he's guaranteed selection. As for CJ, I think he came over to Ireland on the understanding that you know he was a project player who was going to play for Ireland, and he's. He's part of that whole process. He's moving towards the 2019 World Cup with uh, with Joe Schmitz. It would be a real uh, two fingers team. to that project if he did walk out there, wouldn't it? It would. I can't see that happening. You know, he's really bought in to the whole monster thing, and and, he, and he's been adopted by the province, and uh, he's he's a folk hero here, almost to the same extent that Omani is. Pete, for, from our, our Dublin studios, thank you, thank you very much for joining us. Speeches again soon, I hope. Great. Thanks, Owen. All right. Talk to you soon. See you guys. <clears throat> That was interesting, wasn't it? We wouldn't say it to his, well. He was on air, but he is very good. Now, also, now he's gone. No, seriously, if you're playing in the, in 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 the league, um, you really can target games because it is so relatively easy to uh, qualify for next year's European competition, and uh, it is extremely the situation in England. You've got to win every week. Uh, it's death or glory every week. And that extra and, team uh, that, that Leinster beat, they, Leinster, Exeter played Bath the week before yeah. and Saracens the week before yeah, that. Coming off, in, yeah, but the thing is, it's look, it's just the way it's worked out. I mean, it, it, there's nothing, it's not unfair in the sense that at least that uh, you've now got to qualify properly and on merit from the from the Pro 14, but um, it is a massive advantage. I mean, the Leinster players just had a week off and they 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 could build up for it um, and uh, ditto Munster. So it is a massive advantage. The thing, really thing about is. Europe, though, is is it's a competition of inequalities, and it's what what's actually strongest at the time. I mean, 
those Irish provinces spend nothing. Com- well, they they don't spend half. Uh, they don't spend as much as the English clubs do at the moment. We, English clubs and French clubs are, have got the edge on on the on their salaries, mm. but they have that great advantage, as we've been saying, of being able to pick and choose and target games. And and certainly, if you talk about the example we got there from Pete about CJ Stander, I mean, and and Peter Romani, that is the big thing you've got to weigh up if you're a test player from one of these countries. So we've just spoken about. Tolupe Falatau being played until he's pig sick of playing yeah. uh, and then you've got someone like Omani who can be wrapped in cotton wool and looked after and that's that's certainly something that's that's the balance you've got to weigh up do you want to play an extra couple of years if fitness willing because you've got the opportunity you might not earn as much but your career might be longer or do you want to shorten it for that chance that chance of having extreme glory uh, in another country and also earning a fair bit of wedge <laughs> So uh, Europe round four is uh, this coming weekend. It's the back-to-back. So uh, every uh, fixture from last weekend is the same this weekend, but uh, the away venue. So we st- we start on the Friday night. Um, uh, Ulster against Harlequins. Uh, I think we can probably all agree that Ulster will um, take that one because Harlequins are out of it and they'll be focusing on uh, on the um, Aviva Premiership because that's all they've got left. Uh, the, um, Saturday, some really interesting games. Montpellier against Glasgow. Montpellier were beaten at home by Exeter, but they seem to uh, seem to have um, uh, got a foothold in the competition now, and Glasgow are pretty much out of it. So Montpellier are interesting, though. No? I think Montpellier are interesting because they finally got rid of Jake White and what God knows what he was trying to do to the club. Now they got uh, Vern Cotter there, who, who's proven force. So. Al will talk about uh, Glasgow, but um, I think Montpellier could be making a late, um, sort of late run to, towards glory. Yeah, I think with Glasgow, the the fans are starving for them to do well in Europe, and they've been the the bridesmaids so often. It's still, I think, it's still a little bit embarrassing to them that the Edinburgh have, have done the best yeah. in Europe have, that season that they ran all the way to the semis, and. Glasgow, for as phenomenal as they've been, and you have to give them a nod and a doff of a cap for the way that they've played in the league, in the Pro 14, because they're still unbeaten. And the way that they play there, with such verve and vigour, it, it talks to you of what Dave Rennie can add to what Gregor Townsend did before. That's fantastic. And then they come up against Montpellier. Who, I mean, there were rice smiles all round when they drew that fixture and realised that they were playing against Big Vern Cotter again. Mm. Um and they've just come unstuck, and it's that's looking like a game where, if Glasgow aren't caref- careful on that one, because it's slipping through their fingers now in Europe, and they're having another season of disappointments in Europe, Montpellier could feasibly run away with that one. Do you think Dave Rennie's been surprised by that, by by how uh, the European competition has been far more challenging? Than- I think certainly he would have entertained the idea that they could done right they could challenge so I'm sure it's it's a blip for a blip for him I suppose he's still trying to figure out what it is that he's got um, a lot of the time and as well as they've done and he will be supremely happy about what they've done in the, in the league and the way that they've I suppose the, the biggest issue for them is always the number of players that they lose to tests and to come through as he has done with in the league with the players that he had left mm. you've got to pat him on the back for that but then he's just not had enough to come through in Europe that's what they'll have to try and address I'd use the window that they've got to rest players they're not going to qualify I'm sure they'll do their best but they should concentrate on the league now I I wouldn't take a first team to Montpellier I really wouldn't Mm. Uh, so Saturday also um, Benetton Treviso 
got the home tie against Scarlet, so they nearly turned over to um, that would have been a son- astonishing result. So that'll be a, a good one to watch. Great, a great match, and they must have every chance. If, if only they can finish off games, they'd be right up there. Yeah, I read. I mean, getting a man sent off for tip tackling is just, you know, that talk about shooting yourself in the foot when Francesco Minto did that. Yeah, they had an, an hour, didn't they? Yeah, an hour with fourteen men, and they, were and still they still won. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Lens have got the home tie um, back against Exeter. Um, I, I think that's that's quite hard to call. Exeter will really, really come back hard on that. Oh, very, very tight indeed. Wouldn't be surprised if it's not within one score. Uh, Racing, Kestra, uh, Bath, Toulon. Oh, that Bath Toulon is a is a really delicious fixture after, after last weekend. I think Bath have got to change up. I don't think that what you don't want to do is absorb like six, seventy-five minutes of pressure like they had to. I think Bath have got a way to win that game by attacking. It, it'd be horrible if it's pouring with rain. But Priestland, uh, Anthony Watson, Jonathan Joseph, and amazingly, Alid Brew on the wing. It was sensational. They have got the ability to score with attacking rugby. And I think they've got, they ought to change up and take the game to Toulon because they made ground when they did. Priestland, incidentally, was, was magisterial. Apart from at the end, he ch- chucked it away with some some terrible kicking at the end I was fighting that I didn't see that <laughs> um, uh, the Wasla Rochelle game on the Sunday is um, I mean that's there's so, there's so many good this this round of Europe is, is really working isn't it I mean that's, yeah. a, that's a great fixture as well brilliant and, and uh, what a great thing for the fans fans of Wasla to have as well I mean you have to feel for them a little bit it's rare that you can score five tries in a game and say we've been hammered and that's what happened for Wasp. So it's a fantastic opportunity for them in front of their home crowd to, to put on a real display. And La Rochelle, as we mentioned, that team is just... Everyone loves La Rochelle. Everyone loves La Rochelle. But I think the thing is as well... Is Never been there. We, we, spoke, we spoke earlier about Toulon and how they had players pulling together. And it looks like La Rochelle have just gone, we're going to pull a lot of guys from New Zealand that haven't quite made it. There's news today that it looks like Ihaya West is going to be joining them as well. So they would have Ryan Lamb at fly half and Brock James and Yahia West who scored that winner against the Lions for the for the Auckland Blues if you cash him mm. out back to the summer so and it just looks like it's almost like a Lego team they're just putting players in here there and everywhere but they're performing they're playing such magnificent rugby I mean uh, we don't know La Rochelle we've never been there Wasser never been there no they have been there and they've got all the videos and all the replays to prove it and you would think that David Young and his coaching team will be really, really steaming round this week, saying we cannot give them that number of tries, and let's see if La Rochelle can take it on. Mm. But it's going to be absolutely wonderful. Uh, Ospreys Northampton, uh, Ospreys, the heart's still beating there. Uh, Northampton, the the heart's just packed in altogether, isn't it? Look, the Ospreys are just a crazy team because it seems to me they go, they they wait till they're in a disastrous uh, run of <laughs> yeah. form and they're playing abysmally. Then suddenly they'll pull one out, which they can. But you'd be much happier if they were a bit more consistent. Northampton somewhere have lost momentum and lost all the wavelengths and uh, need to get that back. Do you, do you think there needs to be a big change? I'm not sure what that big change is, but do you think there needs to be a massive change of some kind? In we, Northampton. We, we talked about this last week, didn't we? And, and I slightly evaded it. I said I I. Passed the buck and said, "I don't want to be a he- uh, heads must roll type journalist." But the, the, it's getting to that stage where they they need to make a, a massive change. You can't just change the players. I mean, it's busy. The, 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 of course, they need to make a massive change. It's, it's funny because over dinner in, to, in Toulon, when we heard the Northampton result, we were saying, "Well, you know, should should Jim Mallander move on?" 
who who would they bring in? And to tell you what, it's very, very difficult. You've got to make sure you don't get some idiot from the Southern Hemisphere who don't know what the hell's going on in the Premiership, etc. So I would have thought they'd sit down with Jim and say, look, we must have new coach changes. Who do, who do we want? But you've got to be very careful what you wish for. The thing is that they've had the base of the same coaching team for a very long time and they haven't freshened it up. And the new guy they brought in this year was Phil Dowson, who had only left two years ago to go to uh, to Worcester. Oh, so yeah. it's the same thinking coming back in again. Mm. Mm. Probably what, exactly. You need an outsider <laughs> who's never been to Northampton, but you retain some of the people who have. Uh, the other two Sunday games, uh, Claremont's at home to Saracens. Well, we we don't know what's happened <laughs> in the home record. We have no idea how that's going to show up. We don't up. know what to make of that. And... Um, uh, Leicester against Munster. That's the um, the, the uh, wonderful five thirty kickoff. For goodness' sake, um, but that's a, that's a going to be a great match as well, isn't it? Isn't there rumours that uh, Tamur and uh, Tuilangi will be reunited in the centre? Owen. Well, uh, Tuilangi was um, a clo- very very close to playing the weekend just gone, and Tamur as well. So that could that could well happen. They've lost um, Vianu uh, for a, uh, a number of weeks, which. I mean, he's the 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 best um, broken field attacking fullback I think in the world. So um, that's a. Uh... Do, do you know what though? You know, Leicester last year were beaten up in Glasgow. They could not react for the home game. It's happened to them two years ago at at, at Munster, and they yeah. did win the the home game. Have they got the passion as well as the energy and the and the kind of technical quality to bounce back against Munster? Because I can remember. Uh, many, many Leicester teams where they would be raging all week to put this right. Have this team got that rage in them to put it right? Whilst we're on this as well, um, there are some teams, just to go quickly through the the challenge. On the subject of rage. On the subject of rage, but actually, to go through the Challenge Cup, which some people tend not to pay attention for, you've got to give a little bit of respect to Cornet, Edinburgh and Newcastle and and poor the other team uh, in that mix who are, are unbeaten at this stage and looking like the, they're likely to win again this weekend. How great would it be for Newcastle, for example, to go really far in this competition in the Challenge Cup? Because we've talked about how far they've come in the last few seasons, how well they've been performing in the Premiership. What a nice boon it would be for the ever-growing crowd up in Newcastle to see them get some kind of glory in Europe. Who have they got this weekend? They've got the Dragons this weekend. Oh, they've got no chance. For a really, really great weekend ahead, um, I'm going to be in uh, Claremont on Sunday. Steve, you will be... Cleve. <laughs> no, you ask me, that's where I'll be. <laughs> I forgot that you weren't covering a game. It's called holidays. Uh, uh, Al? I don't know yet. Um, I'm yet to make my mind up. I think I'd want to go to Wasp. I think that's where I'll probably end up going. Okay. Gents, thanks very much indeed. This was The Ruck. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. listening to me daisy apple's iphone disassembly robot is dismantling an iphone into lots of recyclable parts that's how apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods thanks daisy there's more to iphone planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.